You're listening to Beyond Numbers, a podcast by Zero for accountants and bookkeepers. In this series, you'll hear from leaders within some of the accounting industry's pace-setting firms who will share news, views, and creative solutions so you can step away with some inspiration or new ideas to take back to your own business. Welcome to Beyond Numbers. I'm Ash Gibson, your host for Season 1. In this episode, I caught up with two experts in the accountancy space to talk about making tax digital for income tax self-assessment, or MTD ITSA for short. I was joined by Zero's tax regulation expert, Stuart Miller, who had a lot to share around HMRC's strategy and the impact on sole traders, landlords and business owners. We also had Georgie Rollings, founder and CEO of Starfish Accounting, who offered some great insights around how accounting practices might best support clients with MTD Fritzer. I'm sure all the UK-based accountants and bookkeepers listening know exactly what MTD is all about, but if we've got any listeners from elsewhere, let me summarise very quickly. Making Tax Digital is a UK government initiative to improve the way that businesses submit tax returns. Right now, All VAT-registered businesses must keep digital records and submit VAT returns using HMRC-recognized software, like Xero. The first phase of MTD for VAT kicked off in April 2019 for businesses earning over the £85,000 VAT threshold, and from April this year, 2022, it became mandatory for all remaining VAT-registered businesses. The next phase of Making Tax Digital is set to take effect from April 2024 and will affect individuals if their total gross income from self-employment and property exceeds £10,000 in a tax year. This equates to a whopping 4.2 million businesses or individuals when you add together self-employed, landlords, partnerships, which will be included from 2025, and about 380,000 businesses with income from different sources. Phew. Now, I know that this podcast is called Beyond Numbers and there were a lot of numbers included in that spiel, but I can assure you this episode is going to be about more than numbers. Before we get started, let me introduce our guests. Georgie, you're founder and CEO at Starfish Accounting. You've been a Zero Partner since 2011 and you're a current member of our Zero Partner Advisory Council or XPAC. Uh, for those who have tuned into the podcast before, you may remember Georgie from our Xerocon episode of Beyond Numbers, commenting on the launch of Zero's new mobile app for sole traders, Zero Go. Georgie, it's great to have you back on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. It's a, a joy to be here. Awesome. So Georgie, why don't you tell us a bit about Starfish and what spurred you on to start your own practice 11 years ago? Okay. Uh, so Starfish, we're, we're a, a bunch of women and there's... As of today, there's nine of us um, with quite a few working part-time um, to fit in around family commitments. And really, that's why I set up Starfish Accounting originally. Um, I was on maternity leave from a big corporate job uh, with twins, and um, I didn't want to go back into the big corporate job and not feel that I could spend the time that I'd spent on it before having children. I felt it wasn't the sort of job that really worked with a, a part-time setup, even though they were prepared to, to offer me part-time hours. Um, and having been an accountant for many years, I thought, right, I'll set up an accounting firm and see how it goes. So that was in 20. 11. Um, and here we are 11 years later, um, and it's all, all going super well. Um, and it is just, 
being able to support the team to work the same kind of hours that I wanted to when my two were teeny um, and also support clients who are going through very similar issues in their kind of juggling existence as well. That's awesome. So what's it like now then running a small firm in comparison to what you were doing before? It's it's a massive contrast to um, to what I did before, um, just the size of the numbers that we we deal with. Um, I used to operate the point where a hundred million would get lost in rounding, um, and it, it genuinely didn't really matter to the guys on the board. Um, and these days, it's like pretty much every penny counts. And if we can save a client fifty quid a month, that actually makes a difference to to how they function. Um, and it it feels like what I do now. And matters more to my clients. And I was worried I was going to be bored when I started doing this because I was so used to dealing with massive corporate challenges. And boy, was I wrong. Every day I have a new challenge, something that I've not come across before. Um, and, you know, 11 years in, I have a short attention span and I am very, very definitely not bored. Amazing. How do you find your your purpose resonates with your clients then? And I think that's one of the nicest things about it, actually. Um, we deliberately market to women in business. Um, and I think for um, our um, absolute kind of ideal client, we do really, really resonate. We're going through very similar issues. Um, and it's just understanding that sometimes people can't have a meeting at three o'clock in the afternoon because they're doing the school run. Um, or, and we all got used to this in lockdown, right? But you have a meeting and actually kids come running in and there's disruption. Um, or it's tough to do things in the school holidays. Um, but even understanding that kind of actually now we need the company to be at a certain size, because that's all that we can manage with with our other commitments. But that doesn't mean that it's not a serious business. And it's not something that we want to grow in a couple of years time when we've got more childcare, even understanding those and, and helping people to plan and, and figure out their goals. Um, it just really, really works. Yeah, amazing. That's super cool. I love that. Also joining us today is Stuart Miller, Zero's Head of Product Compliance and Industry Engagement. Stuart, that's quite a title, but long story short, you're the our very own expert on tax regulation. Stuart, you're an absolute pro at making tax interesting, so I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast today talking MTD. Welcome. Oh, thank you very much for having me. And yeah, while the job uh, title is quite a mouthful, it's um, it's a really interesting role to hold at zero, and I think it's really important um, that we have... Uh, people in these sort of roles to have these build these relationships with HMRC to be able to make sure not only can we stay ahead of regulatory change at zero, but we can also make sure that our accounting partners and our small business users have a voice to go to HMRC, especially on a, a subject as wide reaching as making tax digital. I think it's really important that they have that voice and we want to make sure that we drive that and make sure that, you know, our accounting partners and our small business users have that opportunity to um, have that arena of HMRC where they may not normally have it. And you've got a background in accountancy as well and have now found yourself working with Zero's product team building the tax and compliance software. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your career so far and how you've found yourself here at Zero? Yeah, so uh, prior to joining Zero, um, I'm 20 years in the accounting profession. I had four years out um, working for another software vendor. Uh, so my career started in 2003. In all honesty, when I was trying to avoid paying rent 
in my teenage home after finishing school. I remember saying to my mother who wanted to start charging me rent, she said, I said, well, if I go to college and study, maybe, maybe I won't have to pay rent enjoying my job at a, um, a well-known pizza delivery establishment. Um, and I got home one evening from work and my mum was still awake. I thought, oh no, something terrible has happened. And it turns out it was. She'd found a job for me in the newspaper to apply for. And you can tell you're in trouble when she says, I think you should apply. And my response was, well, maybe I'll see how I'm going. I think you should apply. Good grief. So I applied. Um, I did my training at what is now Creston Reeves in Canterbury in Kent. I moved. Um, I worked for a couple of small practices and I worked for Azets again in Canterbury uh, before joining Zero um, in this role. So mainly in the tax space um, with a focus on uh, digital transformation, tax technology, um, and also sort of my my pet passion project of research and development as well. So R&D um, for those corporate entities as well. So coming in now and seeing and helping essentially build roadmaps for it and help HMRC execute MTD, it's a really exciting and challenging role. Amazing. Now, I, I won't name names, but some might say you're unusually passionate about a topic that some may see as quite dry. But with something as important as tax, there's got to be someone willing to take one for the team, right? So we, we all thank you for being that person at Zero. Now, you were recently elected onto the General Council of BASDA, which, for those wondering, is the Business Application Software Developers Association. Stuart, why don't you tell us a bit about BASDA, your role within it, and what you set out to contribute to the group? So BASDA is a really important organization for sort of the accounting software community. Uh, it's essentially our industry body uh, that we're part of. We have direct lines to senior stakeholders within HMRC. Um, it's one of those, uh, they have the tagline, you know, we're better together. And I think that's the case of any industry, any organization where if you have all the vendors together saying, hey, guys, this may not work, or hey, guys, this is a great idea. How about we tweak it or, or do this? And they can come and respond to the market. An example of this was early this year when the government announced they were going to change the national insurance thresholds for, for payroll software. And they were really adamant they wanted to do it instantly. But they consulted um, with Zero as well as Badster through these um, through these consultation process, and they established we can't just do it overnight. There are some vendors who may not be able to do it. There are some businesses who can't keep up with this speed. So having that communication with these senior HMRC stakeholders, both through Zero and Badster, really um, allows us to make sure that Zero's products stay ahead of regulatory change. But also, we can be a really valuable partner and sounding board for those those agencies. And Georgie, you've obviously been well across making tax digital since MTD for VAT took effect in 2019. What's your view on the program so far? How have businesses and accountancy firms dealt with the change in your experience? I think MTD for, for VAT has been a really, really positive thing. Um, I think it's dealing with the right size of business, um, businesses that were already in that habit of doing quarterly filings. And really, it was just encouraging them to work in a better way. Um, we've obviously been very keen on on using digital accounting software from the get-go, makes everybody's lives easier. Um, and it really helped us with a couple of stragglers to say, you know, th this is the way it has to be. 
which helped us to, to get over that last little hurdle with a, with a couple of perhaps slightly more awkward customers. Um, and having that real-time data um, that we can all see at the same time, we don't have to swap some crazy file here, there and everywhere and work off data that's out of date. Um, that has really helped. We're better able to, to advise our clients um, which over things like um, COVID um, was was unbelievably valuable. And then now looking at the cost of living crisis, um, increasing electricity bills and uh, increasing shipping and all, all the different increasing costs, in fact, and we are much um, better able to have those conversations. Um, I'm, I'm less sure that they're tackling the right segment for the second wave. Um, I feel that, that going in with teeny tiny businesses and landlords who quite probably, you know, literally millions don't even have an accountant. Um, I feel that that is going to be a stretch. Yeah, absolutely. And MTD for that affected around 2.2 million businesses, I think, many of whom, you know, as you say, will have all already been used to using software of some sort to manage their account. But most of us have seen, you know, even even that's been a pretty hard task. But now with ITSA, around 4.2 million are set to be affected. So it's going to be a huge undertaking for HMRC, but also the accountants and bookkeepers like yourself that support these clients. So Georgie, you've got clients that will need support with MTD for ITSA. What does the makeup of your client base look like today? And how do you think your team's workload is going to change come April 2024? Oh, that that's definitely that that last bit is is for us where where the massive challenge sits um and it's something we're spending a lot of time trying to trying to plan out and model um so at the moment we have um a few dozen sole traders not loads and loads um and the majority of our sole traders because we knew this was coming we've been gradually pushing them in the direction we want them to go in anyway um so for us with our existing client base as regards sole traders we are probably 80% of the way there possibly more um landlords it's harder um because we have many kind of accidental landlords um who had property their spouse had a property, they moved in together, they kept the other one and rented it out. They barely even understand that they need to pay tax on the rental income. <laughs> um, they certainly don't have like a separate bank account that the money goes into. Um, and we're trying to change how they function before we look at software solutions. Um, so that one, we've got a lot, lot further to go. And um, the thing that really worries me, though, is the, the spikiness of the workload. Um, so we are hoping to, to grow as a business off the back of MTD for it. So it feels like a, a massive opportunity, but we're then going to be looking at five weeks, perhaps out of every three months where we're going to be crazy busy. And then we'll be at original volumes in between. So if we hire people to deal with that crazy patch, what do we do with them? The rest of the time. And it's just that there is no way to spread it as far as I can see. There's a certain amount of prep that can be done ahead of time, but really it's just spiky. You can't say like VAT quarters, you know, we've got some who operate on calendar quarters. We've got some who do the January, April, July, October and, and so on. So every month you have a little spike, a little spike, but it's a little spike, not a massive spike. Um, and I, I think that is just going to be very, very difficult for, for us to manage. And I think it will put accountants off taking on large quantities of, of sole traders and, and landlords because they won't be able to resource it. 
I think that's a real challenge as well. And that's the, the general consensus that we're seeing in the market, especially when the initial thought of MTD for ITSA, that it was going to be, we'll base it on their financial year end rather than the tax year end and basis period reform. And I think that's one of those things where sometimes the concept of MTD for ITSA is fundamentally sound. It's a great idea. It's the way we need to travel to make sure we build more productivity and efficiencies into small businesses by having these digital tools available. But I do think that sometimes accountants aren't consulted early enough. And I think that's a thing that HMRC have realized throughout the, ro the rollout of MTD in general, that as you said, Georgie, you're now going to have these spikes where everyone has the same quarterly filing period. And if their VAT period isn't coterminous, you're going to have a very bumpy bumpy set of spikes. And um, I was wondering, with regards to like your VAT registered um, businesses, are you considering aligning those um, VAT quarters so they're coterminous with what will be MTD filings, ignoring what you can do potentially with calendar elections in the future for MTD? And, you know, we won't get too much into the weeds with that. But is that a way that potentially you might be able to, I, I don't know, in, enhance efficiencies in the hope one day when HMRC create a single customer record, we press a button to submit and it does VAT and MTD for ITSA at the same time, which I think we could all agree would be the ideal state in the future? Uh, that, that's an awesome question. Um, I think we actually get away with it because I think our sole traders that are fat registered are currently on calendar quarters because the majority, vast majority of our sole traders basically function with a March year end. Um, so we do try to have our VAT quarters coterminous with the year end. Um, but so that, that's definitely a very interesting thought if we take on sole traders which have uh, different VAT periods. That might be something we have to look at. Uh, are sole traders and landlords likely to just be left to their own devices? Like, what is the risk for these individuals who are maybe considering just managing this without the help of an advisor? I think there's a huge risk they're going to get left behind. I think we saw with the MTD for VAT rollout, the communication was largely from accountants themselves. HMRC do send out mail shots to VAT registered businesses to say, hey, business owner, you need to register for this. Hey, business owner, you need to do this. And it's only in the last week or so that they've had to write to customers and say, hi, everyone, just so you know, we are definitely shutting the old XML, the old filing gateway from the 1st of November. If you're not on making tax digital software now, you need to jump on it. But that's also assuming that the person they've sent that to has an email address. And, and as Georgie touched on, the landlords, when it comes to MTD for ITSA, there are so many who have just gained property through inheritance. They've got something they don't even consider because their costs far outweigh the rent they can charge and rent they can claim, and it's negligible. But then what I think the messaging hasn't been super clear to the, um, to the taxpayer at this stage is it's combined sole trade income and rental property. And I think it's interesting what you said as well earlier, Georgie, about sort of the targeted audience of the £10,000 threshold for MTD and they're going for the smallest businesses first rather than corporates or partnerships. I mean, the cynic in me says they haven't tackled corporate yet because it's such a massive, massive amount of data they'd have to be receiving on a quarterly basis. So I think it's making sure they've got their systems set for that. But I think for HMRC's research, they find it's these smaller businesses around this 10,000 to 20,000 pound threshold are the ones who really struggle 
with record keeping, digitalization, they might be unrepresented, so they may not have an agent to help them go through. And that's the main driving force, I think, going for this um, this £10,000 threshold. And I also think the big thing for um, for accountants and bookkeepers considering sort of MTD at the moment is obviously we're in the 22-23 tax year now. So we know by the end of this tax year who is actually going to be MTD for year one. The real kicker is we've spoken to um, accounting partners who've got clients who are winding down. They say, oh, well, I'm going to have maybe 11,000 of turnover this year, but I'm just going to wind it down so it might be eight or nine. You're in it for a minimum of three years from April 2024. There's no way, there's no fast release button. If you're £10,000 turnover this tax year for 22-23, you're in MTD for a minimum of three years unless you cease trading. There is no way to get out. So even if your turnover goes down to £500 a year, you have to do your quarterly filing unless you can make a very good case for digital exemption and then you're in, which from an accountant standpoint, it's a real toss of a coin, which makes it sound again, slightly cynical. Some accounts are like, great, we can charge them for quarterly reporting for three years when they make no money. Bit icky for me. And then you've got the other accounts, a case of, we've got this legacy client, we've looked after them for 20 years. We can't send Betty out to pasture because she's got three years and we can't charge her. How are we going to help her? And I think that's why the accountant's going to play such a significant role in educating clients and the unrepresented taxpayer. But again, it's one of those things that it's it's cost. It's cost for the practice. We've got to have our admin teams and you know bigger practices. We've got our marketing teams, great. But 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 smaller practices, as you said, Georgie, where's it going to fit into the work plan to actually promote and have these conversations. I mean, Starfish have been fantastic because, as you said, you've got about 80% of your clients over. We're all using digital tools, which is great. But what advice would you give to some people who are like, well, we've got maybe 70% of our people are shoebox clients. A couple of people use Excel. How, how would you advise them to sort of get started on this? I think it is just a case of getting started. Um, you've got to start somewhere. Um, when we started the process, we looked through our client base um, and looked at who would be easier to tackle first. So, you know, don't start with the really, really challenging one who's never going to cope um, and go for some quick wins, um, figure out what software you're going to use um, and, and come up with a plan. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically just getting started. Don't wait until you've got the perfect plan all laid out. You know, start now with an easy client and figure out what you're going to do with that one and then use that learning and, and apply it going forwards. Um, but don't wait. Stuart, I know you get obviously a bit of time talking to HMRC about their plans for it and get a chance to make some recommendations too. With all of this in mind, what would you like to see government focusing on in terms of rolling out the MTD strategy? Because I can imagine at least a strong marketing and comm strategy has been thrown into the mix, but what, what else is there? Yeah, and I just think it's more engagement, really. And in comparison to 12 months ago, their communication, their engagement has significantly increased. We have seen agents and software vendors sent early sight of these VAT reminder letters, and there will be sent early sight of MTD its letters so we can 
be ready for our clients. So for example, if we had, we don't want to have those phone calls from that client who says, I've just received that brown envelope from HMRC and it's told me I need to do this thing called an ITSA. What's an ITSA? So it allows us to actually have this planning, this preparation time, and therefore we can factor it into our workloads. I suppose um, my, from my standpoint, it's just making sure we continue to have this degree of transparency with regards to making text digital because it's a seismic change in the industry. And I know a lot of people throw it around. It's like it's a once in a generation change, but it, it, it really is. But they're trying to do it at the same time as basis period reform. They're trying to do it at the same time as a new penalty regime. We're doing it during a cost of living crisis, which obviously no one could have predicted coming out of the back of a pandemic, which no one could have predicted. But this was all announced back in 2015. I remember sitting in a boardroom watching the budget because I'm super cool and I love watching the budget. I love to get a nice lunch in. I sit down, I watch. We do like a little like over under on heckles. It's always good fun. When George Osborne, yeah, but when George Osborne stood there and he said, oh, it's the death of the tax return. I remember a lot of practice colleagues were like, well, that's it. We're done for. And it's like, well, you're definitely not. If anything, you're going to be even busier than you have to, you are at the moment. So I think it's just my ask to HMRC, as it is in these meetings, be upfront with your communications, how you're going to spread this message to agents, taxpayers, unrepresented taxpayers as well, to make sure there's an ease of transition and also help our accounting partners. Those who are, I, I know sort of some of our people in our partner network refers to them as dinosaur accountants, which is, I think, sometimes a little bit unfair, but those who may not be as tech savvy as, as others, they're burying their heads in the sand and they're going to get to April 2024 and they're in for a big surprise because not only are they going to have to start doing the 24-25 tax return under MTD, they always seem to forget they still have that 23-24 tax return to be completed under classic self-assessment. And they're not going to be ready for it. So they need to have that messaging out earlier. And I appreciate wholeheartedly, you know, it's a, it's a government department. They are not skilled marketers at this stage. They've probably got some very competent people in their teams, but do they have the budget to help spread it? So work with accountants so they can spread your message for you. Georgie, what do you think? What do HMRC need to be doing? I think there just needs to be more communication. Um, we are still talking to people who have never heard of, of making tax digital at all. Um, spoke to a lady yesterday who's got an accountant um, and um, rental properties, never heard of it. Uh, we had a prospect who contacted us um, about VAT and they've just twigged that actually they have to file digitally, but they need to get their first fat return digitally filed in 30 days. I was like, mm -hmm, not for us then. Um, and it, it's just there's not enough awareness out there. Um, so we spend a significant amount of time. Um, I don't have an issue with doing it for our client base. That's our responsibility. Um, but it does feel like we shouldn't be having to educate every prospect that we talk to that this is something they need to worry about. And up to a point, they're sitting there thinking, well, I've not heard about this before. Maybe this is all a complete load of rubbish. Um, and it would be quite nice to be talking to people who are, who are contacting accountants because they know they need help with that specific area um, rather than us being the ones who, who have to introduce the concept. Yeah, so it's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? And, and this month, we'll have a new prime minister as well and a new team of ministers. 
Um, I guess there may be a bit of continuity there, but it's also possible soon that a general election may come up even before the it's a deadline, which I guess means a potential new new government could even change the direction of ITSA again. So, Stuart, what, what do you think the UK government's direction of travel might be? I think everyone is still on board with this digital journey. You know, the government's 10-year tax administration strategy is still very much the key goal. It has a majority of supporters from both parties where they appreciate that you know, businesses can drive efficiencies and therefore enhance productivity utilizing digital tools. And MTD Genuine is just the first step of that journey. I don't think there's any lack of appetite for, for execution. So I still think that whatever form of government that we have come April 2024, we will have MTD in some form or another um, going forward, whether that's going to be like the full explosion, which we all hope and expect, because Let's be honest, whilst I love talking about it, I love being on the podcast, Ash, but I think we're all sick and tired of talking about MTD with our with our clients and internally and externally. And it would be really nice to move on to the next thing. Like, let's talk about e-invoicing or let's watch HMRC try and unravel the problem of partnerships and corporation tax and making tax digital. But I think, as I said, the direction of travel will always be digital. And making tax digital, digital record keeping, quarterly reporting – um, it's really key just to build up not only the productivity of the businesses and also help them make better business decisions, but from an accountant's standpoint, I, I'm sure I'm not alone and um, I'd assume most people listening to this are um, are accountants and bookkeepers. You know, we're probably building a, a, a big wide range of listenership as well, you know, outside of a, you know, cheesemakers, etc. But I just think that, you know, when we're... We're looking at these digital tools. We've all had those clients who come to us near the year end and go, hey, have I used all my capital ounces? Can I go and buy a bit of machinery? And then they say, oh, well, I've done my books up to June. And everyone sits there and says, okay, right, well, multiply by four. That's probably what they spent if on average. And we've all had that instance where the next year they've gone off and bought a combine harvester and they go, well, hang on a minute. You told me I had annual investment allowance left and now I don't. And now I can only claim my standard rates of capital allowances. And Silly little things like that can make our advisory services more substantial and it can help us make better decisions and offerings for our, our clients. And then in the long term, the amount of things we can do with like borrowing, the things we can do with these digital tools, verification, reduction of fraud, hopefully seeing a reduction in the tax gap, which is obviously one of the, the driving forces behind MTD along with these um, this big push for digitalization. But as I said, yeah, I don't think that any change in parliament, ministers, um, elective party will change the direction of travel because everyone's committed. It's in line with the OECD tax admin 3.0 report. And we're seeing the productivity gains that other countries are going with this digital approach, digital first approach are going and they're reaping the benefits of it. The problem with the UK is that we've essentially got like a patchwork quilt of legislation from made by this aunt and this uncle and they've stuck it all together and that is what we have to contend with and i just think that that is the biggest challenge ministers having to simplify the tax system so it's fair it's balanced but it's future-proofed and that's why i think mtd being the first step of the journey is so important so i don't see it deviating completely from 2024 okay and 
you know, more than three years after MTD for, for VAT has even taken effect, there are still VAT businesses that aren't using the MTD portal, as you kind of mentioned before. HMRC have obviously put a line in the sand now. So I guess how feasible do you think it is that HMRC will actually see these 4.2 million individuals complying with MTD for it? So like, how long are they expecting it to take? I think it's going to be a tricky one. And as you said, and as we touched on earlier, it's the, the whole education piece. There needs to be tools out there to make it simple for people. If um, if you take any of the feedback from zero, sort of MTD, it's a beta so far. Um, I think the, the highest praise for our development team's work to date is that one of the bits of feedback, and I'm probably paraphrasing, was, well, is that it? Is that all I have to do? And which is a massive slap in the face to all of our developers and the hours of blood, sweat and tears they put into our product. But that's the aim of what we wanted to do. If a business or an accountant is using this software and they press a button, that's their obligation done. So that's obviously you know how simple it could be, but it's just making sure those tools are available to those 4.2 million taxpayers who are going to be mandated to come into MTD from from April 2024 and April 2025 for partnerships as things currently stand. I know that there is a big push and there's a ministerial requirement there has to be free software offerings available for those of the most simplest of tax affairs. Um, As always, HMRC have been very ambiguous of the term simplest of tax affairs. You know, they've gone up to an eight, they've suggested initially an £85,000 threshold for this free software tools available. But as we we all know from practice, we could have a business that does 12 invoices a year that makes £100,000. But you could have maybe like an online e-commerce platform that has 73,000 transactions, but makes £80,000. And then the question is, well, who's got the most simplest of affairs? So the education is key to getting everyone on. And I think HMRC should take the same approach that accountants and bookkeepers have been doing they need to segment their own customer base they say right here are the self-employed of this level brilliant we'll hit those guys here here are the CI subcontractors they, they might need additional nudging or here's this industry that historically haven't been fantastic at tax filing let's really target those guys and girls with what we're trying to do and I think from there, that's how they're going to execute the 4.2 million. I think the breakdown, it's like 2.6 million sole traders, just under a million landlords, 200,000 partnerships, and just around 400,000 of those with combined incomes of sole trade property partnership bits as well. So even if you segment it like that, you've got a fighting chance to get it over the line. And, and again, it's just making sure those tools are available. Yeah. As a as a marketer and a comms person, I do not envy those those people in HMRC right now, that's for sure. Sounds like hard work. So, Stuart, you touched on it before. Let's talk about Xero's MTD for its solution and where we're at with that. Now, we launched the beta in March and became one of the first HMRC-recognized software solutions available, which is cool. We're now ready to open that out even further to our uh, accounting and bookkeeping community. So hopefully by the time this episode goes live, Zero Partners should be able to access the welcome screen for income tax self-assessment inside Zero. if you just check the accounting drop-down menu, apparently, uh, which will make it easier to sign up to the beta and trial uh, MTD for its a solution for eligible clients, at least. Stuart, let's talk about this. Why is this so exciting? It's a really great opportunity to essentially have you know, a glimpse into the future 
uh, as Georgie touched on earlier, we're going to see spikes in workload. So if we can take a, a handful of our, you know, more tech-savvy clients, or even though some people have put on clients who have never used accounting software before, just to test essentially the worst-case scenario, how much hand-holding, how much support are we going to, to need to give for these um, clients? And it removes a lot of the unknowns. If you're getting people into the beta now, this is your real opportunity to have a full cycle before MTD goes live. Because obviously, we talk about our quarterly submissions being the main bulk of making tax digital. But under MTD for it, so you've also got to an end of period statement, which is sometimes known as an EOPS. And then once you've done that, you've also got to do a final declaration. Now, the deadline for that, for this current tax year, the 22-23 tax year, is going to be the 31st of January 2024. So by joining the beta now, it's your only opportunity to really understand how that full tax cycle goes before mandation of April 2024. So if anything, it just allows you to plan, see those peaks and troughs, experience those spikes, and also see internally how you can administer that. Yeah, nice. What's the eligibility criteria then for firms bringing on their clients? So it's still relatively strict at the moment. It's not a case that you can sign up absolutely every one of your clients to um, the MTD pilot. By and large, we're still looking at accounting periods which are the 6th of April to the 5th of April. And remarkably, even though HMRC have accepted 31st of March to be a 5th of April year-end for, the, for their pilot, it does not count. Um, I personally, and yeah, I don't want to raise any alarm bells at HMRC, I personally cannot join the, the HMRC pilots because I have three pence of interest outstanding on my HMRC account. So I am not allowed, I'm not allowed to join the pilot because I, I have HMRC debt. They are expanding out so you can have multiple sources of income. But it's that year-end date that is really being the kicker for a lot of um, practices who want to sign people up. If you sign people up at this stage, you've got to go for an onboarding process. So you have to register your client's interest via your software vendor. We then let HMRC know that that client is interested. Hopefully that process is going to be made a lot more simplistic as the pilot year continues for HMRC. And then they're invited to join. They're invited to submit. I think a lot of people at this stage will be saying, well, I've already missed quarter one. What's the point? You can retrospectively file um, Q1 using you know zero zeros beta offering, and there are no penalties or fines at this stage of the pilot. So until it goes live, if quarterly updates are missed, you're in. So if you're listening to this and you want your clients to join the beta, you want to, and you've got eligible clients, and we've got eligibility criteria on our um, on our zero website as well. So um, we can probably send those out to anyone who asks or link them into the description of the podcast. You'll be able to see what's in there. But you can then, as as Ash said hopefully by the time this released from the accounting drop down in zero you'll be able to go through register your interest go through the eligibility and once they're in you're invited to join and then you've got a time to go through and see what mtd is essentially going to be like and then see how you'll scale that for your firm what do you see are the benefits of taking part in these beta programs with zero georgie it gives us that opportunity to to see how the software is going to work um to see what we're going to need to do to get everything done within a certain time frame. It gives us that opportunity actually to have a bit of influence on what the product is like. Um, so if there's something in there that, that we don't like, then 
that's the right time to to provide the feedback. So Zero Go will eventually have the capabilities to submit MTD its returns to HMRC, won't it? So we touched on this in the ZeroCon episode, but just to recap on that, how do you think a product like ZeroGo might be able to help accountants and bookkeepers better manage clients at this lower end of the market, Georgie? Uh, apologies for the dive bombing aircraft that's going past at the moment. Um, I think it, it opens up the market for us. Um, we, we've been quite fortunate in terms of the, the sole traders that, that we work with and um, getting them to understand that having software is a benefit to them and therefore it's something that they are prepared to pay for. Um, but I have had lots of conversations over the years with people who view it as a cost, not an investment. Um, and I think one of the issues with that, that kind of lower end of the market is inevitably they are more price sensitive and fair enough, they don't have such high turnover to, to prop up certain expenses. So I think having something like Zero Go um, where it's a freemium model and they can start off with no cost, then just removes the, the stress of that conversation altogether. Um, I also particularly like the, the way that that functionality is stripped down um, and it gives them a good clear view of what they need to do. Take a picture of a receipt and, oh, look, there's your expense added in, you know, nothing more to it than that. And I think that's going to really, really help. Um, we found where we add in additional complexity. So we have clients who um, use something like Dex Prepare and zero and trying to get them to understand the link where they do their own bookkeeping and trying to support them with pushing the data through in an accurate way adds quite a lot of workload on on our side and eventually after a period of investment it means that they have fabulous records and it works really well but you have that period of investment and it feels like that is overly complicated for um, certain small sole traders um, and having something where you've got the the availability of the records because you've taken your picture of the receipt and it's there, but they haven't had to go through a how does it all join up kind of thought process. Uh, I, I feel that that's a massive benefit. Yeah, nice. What, what do you think, Stuart? What's the opportunity for accountants and bookkeepers? It just gives a nice introduction into digital tools. I think a majority of people we'll have a smartphone. So everything's done it. We do our banking, we check our social media, we check our emails, we do our shopping on it. I mean, every single week, I don't log onto my laptop, I sit at home and I do my, my Tesco's order through my phone. Everyone's used to having a phone with them. So I think sort of the, 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 the misconception of you've got to use accounting software, they go, oh no, this is gonna be so complicated. It's gonna take hours and hours of my time. But when shown something like Zero Go, when it's a case of snap receipt, the OCR does all the reading, machine learning helps everything get posted to where it needs to be. Oh, that's a fuel receipt. Great, it's done. And, you know, when they realize how efficient that is, they don't have to just keep that carrier bag of receipts. But by getting to the snap, it's there. And then the business knows how much money they've made. And, and on other things, so for those people who need to claim tax credits, it's always the worry with like, how much have I made? Have I, have I had a good month? Do I need to contact like the tax credits people and say, I've, I've made too much universal credit. Don't take my money away. They've then got that record and they've got that safety net to support their, their claims as well. So even what wider reaching the importance of digitals outside of MTD for their own life and their own budgeting, 
it's a fantastic thing to start looking at because it will just then become second nature. It's new, it's scary, but the same thing as we know with um, our existing Zero Blues software, you know, where we can gamify it. Here's the bank rec, click, click. When we can start gamifying people and they start to enjoy utilizing Zero Go, it's not... It's not an onerous task to keep their records anymore, and that's where I see the real benefit of something like Zero Go will bring to the market. So, um, one final question for you both on MTD, because I know you're both clearly sick of talking about MTD. <laughs> so, before we before we jump into my obligatory quickfire word game, what is the one piece of advice that you would give accountants and bookkeepers today when thinking about? preparing for MTD for ITSA? Georgia, you go first. I think it's look for the opportunity. Um, I think as accountants, we're all super risk averse. We don't like change. We don't like challenge. We're all super busy. We don't have the time. Um, And I, I know that there are plenty of accountants out there who've backed off from looking after sole traders at all because they don't want to, to deal with what's going to come in. And to me, that feels quite short-sighted. There is a massive opportunity there. There's been research done that says that a million sole traders have um, decided that they will need to have support from an advisor where they don't currently have that in place. So that's a million potential clients out there. You just get a small piece of that pie and you can grow your business significantly without having to go through a lot of, of marketing cost and effort. So I think don't look at it as as a, a difficult thing that's coming in, but look for the opportunity. Nice. How about you, Stuart? Don't bury your head in the sand. I think there's a number of accountants and bookkeepers who just go, nah, we'll deal with it when it happens. But I really, really, really encourage people to look at it now. I don't want people getting there. If you think, let's even say a small practice has 600 self-employed clients 600 self-employed clients to move them all onto software from the 6th of April 2024 to then teach them how to use that software to do quarterly reporting whilst also trying to do their 23-24 classic self-assessment return. It's going to be a huge workload. It's going to be a massive headache. And as, as we touched on earlier, the digital first approach is the direction of travel. It is not going to go away. They are not going to go and cancel it. And I know people will turn around and go, oh, it's, you're a software vendor. Of course, you don't want to see it cancelled. It's, it's just how the way the world is going. So speak to your teams, because I guarantee you there's going to be somewhere in there who will either be really passionate about digitalization or will embrace that challenge and take on that role and be a huge digital champion for your organization. I'm now going to say a series of words or phrases directed at either one of you. And I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, Georgie, regulation. <laughs> Effort. Stuart, compliance. Interesting. <laughs> you would say that. <laughs> uh, Georgie, Ben Affleck. <laughs> J-Lo. Good. I'm glad you didn't go straight to the accountant. Uh, Stuart, Shawshank Redemption. Never watched it. Well, fun fact for you, Tim Robbins' character, Andy DeFresne, was an accountant before being locked up for a crime he didn't commit. I'm seeing a trend to these questions. <laughs> <laughs> Georgie, flexible working. Starfish counting. Nice. Uh, Stuart, working from home. That's a tricky one. 
enjoyable. Good. Why is it enjoyable for you? It allows me to be productive. It allows me to work in peace. Um, I find that while I love going into the office, when you're looking through a bunch of regulations or compliance stuff, to be able to sit focused without distractions or cake, it's much easier to get it done. And then also from a selfish standpoint, you know, working from home with a bit of flexible working from Georgie's question, I can do the school run. I can be involved in things for my daughter that I think traditionally I wouldn't have expected I would have been able to do. So I get to be part of these moments and see things that I wouldn't have been able to see before. Yes, love that. Right, Georgie, sole trader. Opportunity. Stuart, landlord. Complex. <laughs> I was going to say messy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there'll be lots of people who agree with you there. Okay, Georgie, if MTD got the better of you and you decided to throw in the towel at Starfish Accounting and do something completely different, what might you choose to do for a living? Uh, I would have a yarn shop, possibly with a little coffee shop area in the corner, and I could sit there and indulge my yarn obsession to my heart's content. Oh, lovely. Is this like knitting kind of yarn? Well, knitting, crochet, but basically just buying large amounts of yarn that I then don't actually use. I think that's that's mostly what I do with it. I just fill cupboards with yarn. Drives my husband potty. <laughs> that is niche. I like it. I like it. Um, Never say accountants aren't exciting. <laughs> Stuart, fast forward to 2025 and jump over to an alternate universe where you failed to submit your MTD ITSA tax return for your pro wrestling side hustle and got found out by both HMRC and Zero and exiled from the tax and compliance profession. What might you choose to do instead? I mean, what a great heel gimmick in the wrestling world. The man who doesn't pay his tax bill would be like the new Jimmy Carr, wouldn't it? I, th- I think in reality, if exiled from the tax business, I've always wanted my genuine exit strategies just have a small holding, just a little small holding, self-sufficient live off the land not making it sound like i'm like really anti-social but then i can just pot around my little fields having a lovely time alternatively uh food critic so if you had a small holding and you had sheep then you could shear your sheep and then you could turn it into like niche yarn and then i'd buy it from you there you go and we could all use zero to keep our records there you go that is the most beautiful sounding partnership I've ever heard. I love it. Brilliant. And with that uh, fabulous anecdote, I will wrap this episode of Beyond Numbers. Georgie Stewart, it was a privilege having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to Beyond Numbers, brought to you by Zero, produced by Birdline Media. If you heard something that caught your attention, share the episode with your colleagues so they can listen too. Thanks for listening.